Hello, you're listening to History and Hope, a Baptist perspective on history, culture, and theology. I'm Mark West. And I'm Matthew Lyon. And today our topic is separation of church and state, the final topic in the Baptist Distinctive series. This is it. Once we're done with this, no more podcasts. There's not like there's anything going on to talk about. I'm not sure what people could possibly talk about besides Baptist history or Baptist distinctives. Uh, this is the last act. Well, this is the last one because there's no more letters in Baptist. Exactly. That's why they stopped. There were more to put in, but they had to stop it here. There's actually 15 Baptist distinctives, but there's only what? Eight letters. <laughs> Baptistic. That's what we should go with. Yeah. Create some new acronyms. Hey, Baptists are always making stuff up. Did you see the meme? It's two guys in the elevator. It's from a TV show. And the one guy said Lutherans. The Lu- it's Lutherans over this guy's head. And it says, I feel bad for you. And then the other side, it's a Baptist. And it says, I don't think about you at all. It's pretty <laughs> Which accurate. perfectly describes the relationship between Lutherans and Baptists. Even the, I follow some Lutherans on Twitter. And they're always post. Whenever they post about Baptists, they're like, Baptists, uh, they're terrible. They don't know this about their history. But I never hear Baptists talking about Lutherans. So. I don't yeah. think about you at all. What was the point of that? I, you know, there's not everything has to be a point. It was just funny. Not everything. I mean, it was a connection to her. Train's been derailed. Oh, uh, we were talking about Baptists uh, making stuff up. Religious liberty. Yeah. <laughs> there's the. So religious liberty is. It's actually convenient that it's the last distinctive, because in most of the confessions it comes at the very end, which is significant. And I think it's a corrective to America because in the Baptist faith, separation of church and state is the least important distinctive we have theologically. So if you look at the statements of faith, they talk about all the stuff that's in the Bible. And at the very end, they have this protection that says we shouldn't have state control. Though I find in America, it's the opposite in a lot of ways. Our religious liberty is the most important thing to us. But that is partly because we're Baptist. Um, and the Baptists are probably the leaders in the English-speaking world on religious liberty, and always have been. The first document in English on religious liberty was written by Helwes in 1612 from prison, laying out the case. John Locke said that someone talked to, said to John Locke, we really appreciate your work on religious liberty. And he said, Oh no, it's the Baptists. They're the ones who, who started this and created the tradition. And it makes sense when you think about the Baptist distinctives, um, biblical authority, autonomy of the local church, individual soul liberty. How could you possibly have the state telling you what to do? And also the context it started in. So when Baptist faith was organized 1600s, it had already broken away from the Catholic church enough, the reformation enough to where now you can actually have conversations about not just what the theology of the church should be, but the relationship with church and state, which wasn't very popular before that. And so they kind of came up at a time in England when there was a lot of revolution, the English revolution was, do you know, 1640 something? 16. Well, when did Cromwell chop Stuart's head off? It's a great question. Uh, it's in the 1640s. So the English Civil War. 1642? 1642. To 1651. 
so it was the so it was the king was uh it was a it was a monarchy cromwell who was favorable to to protestants created a protectorate commonwealth so a lot of this stuff was going on and the baptists were right in the middle of that developing their idea of what's the relationship of the state and the church and whether you should so there should be a relationship now it's easy for us to think about having been born in america and raised this way but at that time it was crazy talk to talk about a state that wasn't connected to the church everyone's state was connected to the church it was just in, in a lot of ways christians said if you don't want the state and the church to be tied together you're not a real christian because christianity is true don't you want to live in a country where the truth is tied into the government Right? Like, don't you want that, Mark? Don't you want the government Sounds to good. protect the truth? So, therefore, don't you want the government to be a Christian government? I mean, that's that's the logic, and it makes a lot of sense if you don't, as long as you're on the side of the government. And Baptists were rarely on the side of the government for the first 200 years. Uh, a little bit with, with Cromwell, but for the most part, they wanted to practice their church ecclesiology independently so uh let me give you a quote from hell Wiz. set the stage for all of this this is hell Wiz, propositions and conclusions concerning true christian religion 1612 so this is the first baptist confession he says that the magistrate which would be what we call the government is not by virtue of his office to meddle with religion or matters of conscience force or compel men to this or that form of religion or doctrine, but to leave Christian religion free to every man's conscience and to handle only civil transgressions, injuries, and wrongs of man against man. And that's interesting. I'm going to bring that up later in reference to John MacArthur, because I think we've got to talk about him. Uh, wrongs of man against man. Uh, in murder, adultery, theft, etc., for Christ only is the king and lawgiver of the church and conscience. So pretty bold statement. Uh, he said that the king has no more, the government has no more business with religion than it does with mathematics. It's just not the same realm. So one of the things interesting about Baptist faith, when you read the, through the confessions, knowing that Baptists champion religious liberty, you expect to take this very hard stance and say things like the church is independent from the government. But all the statements of faith take a very moderate deferential view to the government. And they always start out and they always emphasize that the government is right. The government should be there, that they're not trying to overthrow the government, that everyone should submit to the government. It's not what you'd expect the way we learn Baptist history, where it's sort of revolutionaries trying to take over. That was never the Baptist tradition, at least prior to 1800. So, for instance, this is London Confession, 1644, that a civil magistracy is an ordinance of God set up by God for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well, and that in all lawful things commanded by them, subjection ought to be given by us in the Lord. We pray for them. Then it goes on that we are bound to yield subjection and obedience unto the Lord, unto them in the Lord, and... Uh, we should obey them all civil laws made by them with our persons, liberties, and estates, with all that is called ours. 
So we should support the government with all those things. Uh, and then it says, which we for the present could not see, uh, talking about ecclesiastical laws that they that the government made, nor nor our consciences could submit unto, yet are we bound to yield our persons to their pleasures. So they said, we can't believe what they say we want to believe, but we'll yield our life and property. Uh, so it was a very mild tone taken. They wanted to emphasize, and this is partly because they were accused of being Anabaptist. And so, in fact, in the 1644, it starts, it's called the Confession of Faith of those churches, which are commonly, though falsely, called Anabaptist. They want to be very clear that they were not Anabaptists, because the Anabaptists were known for being anarchists and revolutionaries and all sorts of crazy things. So they were, they were very careful to say, we support the government. We think it should be there. We know that they have an authority over us, uh, except for in matters of conscience, but not in matters of money, estate, uh, goodwill, even support. It says, likewise, unto all men is to be given whatever is their due, tributes, customs, and all such lawful duties, ought willingly to be by us paid and performed, our lands, goods, and bodies to submit to the magistrate in the Lord. So, yes, Baptists were strong on religious liberty, but they were also strong supporters of the rightfully appointed government. And that goes back to the Revolutionary War, where, where you see a lot of Baptists today using the, uh, the examples of pastors trying to support the Revolutionary War, saying that we should do the same. But Baptists did not support the Revolutionary War, not in large numbers. They were sort of neutral because they partly because they said we're not here to overthrow governments. And it wasn't until America declared independence from Britain that they sided with the new government. And it was because they said, we're not a revolutionary faith. We're not like Presbyterians who in Scotland were, were the army, like the Covenanters. They took up arms as Presbyterians. Uh, they weren't like the Catholics who fought as a Catholic army. Uh, so Baptists were said, we're, we're just here to worship. Now we'll have civil duties, but our religious duties are not to support governments, not to bring down evil governments or raise up good ones. It's to be individual uh, Christians. And yeah, it goes on. Thus we desire to give unto God that which is God's and unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and unto all men that which belongeth unto them. Endeavoring ourselves to have always a clear conscience void of offense towards God and towards man. So, they had a strong view of government and that lasted at least into the revolutionary war, which is by that time, Baptist faith had been solidified 1700s, 17 by the 1800s. True religious freedom didn't come to America until the early 1800s, Massachusetts. It was like 1820 before they changed their state constitution. So Baptists developed under oppression. So really the Baptist faith and religious freedom are best examined prior to the Revolutionary War. Because after that, it was easy to be a Baptist. And religious liberty wasn't tested. Everyone's for religious liberty when nobody's being oppressed. That's easy then. It also puts in perspective what oppression looks like. The Baptists were regularly thrown in jail, beaten. Their money was taken. Land confiscated. Uh, they, they weren't allowed to have churches. England, you had to be part of the established church. So they were leaders in that because it affected them directly. Now, when we talk about religious liberty, 
It's freedom to practice your religion. And for Baptists specifically, for us, so practically, freedom to practice our religion as the Bible teaches it. Not freedom to do it any way that makes us comfortable. And that's a big problem. And it's also not to say that the government doesn't have anything to do with our physical presence. So if freedom of religion comes from freedom of conscience, do we get to believe whatever we want to believe? Baptists say yes. Do we get to worship however we want to worship? Yes. The state would say, so, so what they're, the context they're operating from is you had to support financially another church. So the established church. And so a Baptist said giving money to church is an act of worship. It's a religious duty commanded in scripture. Everyone understands when you give money to a faith, you're supporting the faith. So when you're forcing someone to give money to a faith that they don't believe in, you're forcing them to worship a certain way uh, with their goods. The same with in Massachusetts, you had the, the assembly in the 1700s voted that in order to be a preacher, you had to have a degree and a good recommendation. And the Baptists, and it was a way to control Baptists who didn't have any of those things. And the Baptist said, Isaac Backus especially said, you can't tell us who God called to be our pastor. Right. As I talked about last week in two offices, God sets apart people and the church ordains them. Well, now the government is telling you what kind of people can be your pastor. What kind of people can teach you God's word? So obviously that's an in, in, incursion into your faith. Uh, and then the big ones, you can't meet together if you're not of this faith. And that's what happened in Massachusetts as well. When they, Obadiah Holmes, uh, John Clark, and one other guy went down to, they left Rhode Island where they had freedom, went down to Massachusetts to, to visit some Baptist people, got caught, were told to pay a huge fine. Two of them got it paid. Obadiah Holmes wouldn't pay the fine. So he said, I'm not going to pay a fine for being a Baptist. So they took him out in the public square and beat him publicly. Uh, simply for being a Baptist and wanting to worship in the Baptist way and not being a congregationalist or whatever they were at that time. Okay, so those are the kind of things where people are trying to coerce what you believe and how you follow your beliefs by financial pressure, by physical pressure, uh, by requirements. Um, John Bunyan was thrown in jail because he wouldn't take a license to preach because he said the state doesn't have the authority to license a preacher of the gospel. And so the, the Baptists, they made the case that similar to the way we made the case that if you are a pastor who's press, uh, pressuring your people to believe something, you make hypocrites of people. So they told the state, like, if you're making people be a congregationalist, you're just making hypocrites out of them. You're not helping anybody, much less yourselves. So they said a free, a free church and a free state. And the idea being God, Christ is Lord of the conscience, Lord of the church. The state is Lord, as it were, of the physical realm, the government, the civil life. And so the gov government tells you how to handle the civil life and God tells you how to handle the religious life. I think we struggle with that because we don't have much incursion from the government into our civil life. And so we don't really understand what that looks like. For example, John MacArthur, all over the news, 
Have you read much about it? Um, I've seen bits and pieces. I haven't looked into it a ton, but I'm, I'm familiar with what's going on. So California, because of the virus, at some point said, I don't know the exact details, but you can't meet inside for maybe with a certain number. Do you know if it was a certain number or if it was just a, a, a blanket ban on indoor meetings? I'm not sure. I know that other churches were, they were meeting outside and other churches were meeting outside too. So I don't know if it was a number thing or inside at all. Um, Right. So John MacArthur Church, Grace Community runs, I don't know, 5,000, 3,000. I think it's over 2,000. I think it's three because the the current temporary stay was they were allowed to meet at with 1,500, I think. Right. Which was like half capacity. Half capacity. So California says, because of the virus, no large gatherings inside, or maybe no gatherings inside at all. John MacArthur obeyed that originally, like everyone did. Then about, uh, I don't know, three weeks ago, he decided, his church decided, and put out a statement to everyone, which is why we're talking about it, and not some other random church who's been meeting this whole time. I know churches who haven't stopped meeting since March. So it's not just random churches. He put out a statement saying that for various reasons they were going to meet. And so then you see at the next Sunday pictures, it looked like 3000 people, whatever that building could hold. That's looks like how many people they had there. And, and their argument partly was the government can't tell us how to worship. And I would say that's the common argument among conservative Christians, at least what we've seen Twitter, Facebook. Have you seen anybody and see any large percentage, more than 1%, 5%, 10%, not arguing that way? So there's kind of two arguments that I've seen. The one that you stated, and then what seems to be the, the real reason that there was a change. And that's because there's sort of this underlying idea that they don't think the virus is as bad as it was originally touted to be. Right. So let's stop right there and talk about the first one, because that gets into another point um, that needs to be dealt with. So the first argument is the church government can't tell the church how to worship, which is what Baptists believe. So it's a Baptist distinction, religious liberty, separation of church and state, whatever you want to call it. Argument is John MacArthur's him and the elders say the government is telling us how to worship because they're telling us that we can't meet. So we are not going to follow the government. We're going to meet no matter what. And that is a large percentage of pastors saying that. Okay. That is disingenuous because, so let's just talk about California. Did cap, so what does the Bible tell us about, about worship that we should worship? Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. That we should meet together. Does it tell us how many people should be in that worship service? Nope. Does it tell us where the worship service should be located? Uh, so just on that point, California never said that churches couldn't meet. They just said large groups or groups of any size over whatever couldn't meet inside. So I have several pastor friends who've been meeting every Sunday outside. So are they allowed to follow their religion by worshiping outside? 
Is there anything in their religion that says we must meet inside? There's not. So when MacArthur gets up there and says the government's telling us how to worship, what faith tells you that you have to worship inside of a building in large numbers with no mask and no social distancing? Nobody. Nobody says that. So when I hear that argument being made, it, it, someone pointed out he's arguing for the right to have air conditioning in his services. <laughs> That's what he's fighting for. A roof and air conditioning as opposed to just going outside and meeting. So when we talk about religious liberty, it's not do whatever you want in the name of religion. Um, some religions say that you should kill everybody in your group. Jim Jones. Right. Should he be allowed to do that because of freedom of religion? Of course not. And that's where I point out where it said uh, the civil government, the Baptist faith confession that said civil government deals with man against man, such as murder, theft, violence. So if, if a religion says we believe that it's right to kill everybody in our group with poison Kool-Aid, the government has a legal right and the Baptists have believed to step in and say, no, it's our job to protect people, punish evildoers. You can't kill people. And that's what the government of California was saying to MacArthur. We think that you are going to hurt people physically, not because of your religion, but because of your physical gathering. Now, MacArthur comes back and says, you're wrong. Your data is wrong. Your information is wrong. But Baptists believe that the that's not part of religious freedom is to tell the government when they're doing it, when their information is incorrect. Religious freedom does not mean that you get to determine when people doing their jobs in the government are doing them in a way you think they shouldn't. Or like, and not in the way they should think they shouldn't, but scientific evidence. Could the government be wrong? Of course. But they're not wrong in their goal and in their method. So, for instance, if Ebola broke out and the government said there are 5,000 cases of Ebola, which is an astronomical number, and you can see it because people's skin's falling off, everyone would say, okay, they need to step in and protect people. What MacArthur's doing and his elders are saying, we've determined that the government officials in charge of controlling public health have the data wrong. Yeah, and it's explicit because I don't know if you read their statement, um, but they have an addendum where they updated right. it. Right. And they go over some things and it says, it is apparent that those original projections of death were wrong and the virus is nowhere near as dangerous as originally feared. And for someone who's made his career on expository preaching, where'd he get that from? Where in our Christian religious faith tells us that the projections were wrong or that they're wrong now? Could they be wrong? Listen, I'm no, I think neither of us have much faith in the government. <laughs> but it's not our job to decide if the projections are right or wrong. Now, the government can overstep, of course, and use, and I think maybe they're trying to interpret this as, are they trying to say that the government is trying to control churches under the pretense of the virus? I don't think they went that far. I don't see anything. I've, I haven't read their statement in totality, 
but not yeah. at, a, at a glance, I don't think see anything. It's just like, at least the update is specifically like, we were told this was going to be temporary measures to flatten the curve. It doesn't seem like that. It's continued. It we're 40 weeks in, or 20 weeks in. There's no, no relieving of the restrictions and the virus doesn't seem that bad. Um, and they're canceling it. Yeah. They're can't, they're canceling public events for 2021. So they're obviously signaling that they're going to keep these restrictions in place. And then they yeah. end with that forces churches to choose between the clear command of our Lord and the government officials. Therefore, following the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, we gladly choose to obey him. See, that's not true. The, the, they, gov- the Bible does not command us to meet inside in large numbers. And for someone who's who's an expository preacher, that's it's surprisingly wrong. If the government said you can't worship together in any way, in any numbers, in any place, that'd be different. Especially if it was church, targeting churches, they could still meet outside. So the the command of our Lord does not command us to meet indoors. So they're picking their fights based on what they want not what the Bible says. Uh, and then I think it's hypocritical. And this that's a strong word, and, I, and a lot of listeners probably side with MacArthur. I know because I see him on Facebook siding with them. But we let the government tell us how many people can meet in our buildings. Every single church that I know of, unless they're doing their own thing, has a certificate mounted on the wall at some place in their church that says the state of whatever, fire marshal or whoever is in charge, maximum occupancy, 200. And if you have 250 people in there and the fire marshal shows up, he'll say, you need to get rid of 50 people. Where's the outcry over that? Where's this, well, government can't tell us how to worship. Every pastor totally agrees with that. With requirements on the physical structure where they meet how many people can meet, how the seating arrangements are, um, where the doors are placed, sprinklers in the building, um, all sorts of restrictions. Are they wrong? You're telling me that every fire marshal made the right calculation when he got to a building and he never underestimated it? Come on. If you go out to an intersection and there's a police officer there, it just happened to us yesterday, and he's stopping traffic, do you have a right to tell him that he's, he's wrong, that traffic doesn't need to be stopped? Of course not. Could he be wrong? Yes. Obviously, the police can be wrong every now and then. <laughs> but it's not your job to tell him what he's doing is right or wrong unless it's a clear violation of human rights or the Bible or things like that. So could the projections be wrong? Yes. But the government's job is to protect us from physical problems like this public health, the public good. And that's what they're trying to do. Um, They're not targeting churches. They are trying to do their job and they could be wrong. And you don't get an exception from public health because you have a belief. Um, So like at the new location where we are, we have parking across the street, right? So potentially we'll have to park over there in order to worship. So if I decide that, and I tell the people, park across the street and walk across the street in any number and any pace that you want. And they get hit by a car. And the police show up and say, why'd you tell people to cross the road like that? It's against the law 
I don't know if it's against the law, but it's certainly not a crosswalk. And I say, well, they need to worship. And the only way they're going to be able to worship is park over there and run across the street during heavy traffic. That's not an argument. Well, the government made a mistake with their the way they set up this road. And the police officer made a mistake by not letting us do whatever we wanted to do. So there's restrictions on religious freedom means you get to worship and believe what you want to believe. Not you get to do whatever you want to do. And I think in America, conservatives have been the majority for so long that we've gotten away with whatever we wanted. And now the government's stepping in and telling us we can't do whatever we want. And we're trying to claim religious freedom. So that the second, what was the second argument you said? That's what it was, wasn't it? That's, that it's wrong that the government was wrong. The yeah, data was so, wrong. Yeah, they they they're updated. So their initial assessments it talks about a, a lot about government how the government doesn't have the authority to do this and how mm-hmm. the government has throughout his, he said that you know the the statement says that this is uncommon in America but throughout history you can see the government oppressing and mandating the church do specific things. Um or interfering with their worship and then the mm-hmm. update which they added later goes more into the specifics of their disagreement with the policy of the lockdown in general specifically that it is apparent that the original projections of death were wrong and the virus isn't as dangerous as originally feared it, that is a lot of of the argument i hear that they got it wrong and therefore they can't tell us not to meet mm-hmm. what if they got it right though would then they be able to tell us we couldn't meet. So like, does the government have the authority if the virus was as bad as they said? When that case is not a matter of religious freedom. If the government ever could have the authority, then it always has the authority. It doesn't come and go. And the church doesn't decide what authority the government has. And I think maybe that's what Christians need to think about. The church has no right to tell the government what authority it's, it has. That authority was given by God. And that's what the Baptists believe that that the magistrates were ordained by God, which means God, which means God gives them the authority, not the church. So the church can hold them to that authority, call them out when they're they're leaving it. But if the government ever has the right to shut down large gatherings, then it always has the right to shut down large gatherings. It doesn't have the right to target churches, but everyone agrees on that. That's not for that's not what's being debated. I still can't go to the movies. <laughs> Right, like I feel like I'm a fundamentalist again. There were so many good movies. My seventeen, I got to sneak out to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many good movies coming out, and Netflix original movies are terrible. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, so if they're targeting churches, that's a violation of the government's authority. They never have the right to target churches. They always have the right to maintain public health. Are they making mistakes? I'm sure they are. But it doesn't take away their authority. Uh, and we, we acknowledge that authority on some things, like public health codes, building occupancy. But when it's inconvenient for us and it's starting to hurt our churches, which it is hurting the church, just like I can't imagine what movie theaters are going through. It's hurting them, too. But it is hurting the church. That doesn't mean the government doesn't have the authority anymore. And what we're doing is it feels like we are reacting to something we've never seen before, which is being told what to do. Um, and we, we're not, we're not equipped for this. We're not trained for this. Uh, and, and specifically 
the majority of this, the overwhelming majority is white Christians. Cause I've noticed that African-American Christian churches are not having these kinds of problems. Of course, not monolithic, not everybody, but the majority. Uh, when was the last time you saw a video of a African-American trying to threaten someone for putting a mask on? Like I haven't seen one. I've seen about 10 videos of white people losing their mind at whole foods because someone asked them to wear a mask. Like what's, what's happening there? There's, there's a cultural, there's a cultural divide. I wonder how much, and I don't know how widespread this is culturally in, in evangelical circles. I can only speak to like our evangelical circle, but I wonder how much Mm -hmm. of it is tied to like, you know, they remove prayer from school and they're promoting evolution. And so there's all already like, you know, 50 years, 60 years of the government encroaching on the cultural religion. Right. I mean, they made us desegregate schools. Look what that did. (laughs) I mean, it's all happened at the same time, right? Like school desegregation and prayer being taken out of schools happened at the exact same time. Same. Let's see. Brown v. Board was 54, but that it (laughs) studied that out. That didn't happen. It wasn't until the sixties that they actually desegregated like 67 prayer. Do you know when prayer was taken out of schools? 1962. So prayer gets taken out of schools, which is not taken out of schools because any student can pray in any school they're in at any time. So specifically, the U.S. Supreme Court banned school-sponsored prayer in public schools, saying it was a violation of the First Amendment. Would we be okay with Muslim prayers being sponsored by the school? Right. No. So that's not religious freedom anymore. That's American Christians want Christianity to be prominent. They don't want everyone to be free. So if you want prayer in schools, then have a Christian prayer, then have a Muslim prayer, then have a Buddhist prayer, then have whatever prayer you want. Everybody's got to be there. And nobody wants that. So they don't want religious freedom. They want the same thing the Puritans wanted when they showed up in America. They want religious freedom for them and nobody else. And Baptists always have pushed back against that. Uh, So, yeah, the, the government has limited the way we express ourselves. For instance, we wanted state-sponsored prayer. The government said no. We wanted segregated schools, which is happening at the exact same time. Christian schools are started in the 60s. All the Christian schools that got started in the 60s were started as white-only schools. So you find a Christian school that got started in 1962 when prayer was taken out, they're segregated. They're called segregation academies. Um, So you can't tell me that's not connected. That'd be the biggest coincidence ever that the same Christians who are complaining about school prayers being taken out also intentionally created Christian schools for whites only. And yeah, that's been going on for 50 years. Um, Bob Jones sued the government or were sued by the government because they believe that their biblical um, right was to limit interracial dating. And I actually listened to an interview by the guy who got rid of the, the, the rule in like 2000. I think it's 2000. Any of our listeners can correct me. In the interview, so he's being interviewed and they're saying, you have this rule. And so this is 2000. So they they kind of gotten away from it. They didn't talk about it. He's like, you know, no one even knows that rules in the book. Like, it's just there. None of our students even know. It's not enforced. Nobody knows about it. And I'd like to make an announcement that we are going to take that out of the rule books. And the guy interviewing was like, okay, so you're making that now because you don't believe it? He's like, look, it's just not a big deal. 
at one point it was part of our philosophy and I'm not saying we've changed, but it's not worth what it, he basically said, we're going to change it. Cause it's not worth the fight. It's not important enough to fight. Right. Not that they didn't believe it anymore. So these are Christian schools fighting for these things and losing. Christians have been losing these battles for 50 or 60 years. The battle to segregate schools, the battle to have Christian schools that were segregated, the battle to have uh, Christian prayers promoted by the state government, uh, the battle to put the Christian and Jewish Ten Commandments on the government's property, the government endorsing one religion, uh, the right to have interracial marriage and get tax exempt. Right. So, the, so you're right. I think that does lead up to this point. And now the government's telling us one more thing, which is we can't get together and infect each other. The government's trying to tell us that we can't do that. And we have the right. If I'm not safe, if I don't feel safe, I have the right to stay home. That's the argument. Uh, the government is saying, and Baptist said, you don't have the right to infect other people to spread a pandemic. And religious freedom doesn't give you the right to harm people. And that's what, if it turns out that COVID was as bad as they said it was, are we going to be okay with, with spreading that virus based on religious freedom? No, I don't think anybody wants to do that. So you oh. let the people who've been ordained by God to handle public health, handle public health. And if they're wrong, you criticize them, which is a right, the right of protest, right? Without the yeah. police tear gassing you, but that's a different subject. Not, not to continue piling on John MacArthur, but did you see what he said opening this Sunday? Remind me. He I think said, so. The, but The good news is that we are not here, not social distancing and not wearing masks. Oh, my goodness. Because I guess the Bible says we don't have to do those things. Uh, well, I mean, maybe, but also the the good news is as a oh, expository right. yeah, preacher, that's uh, that is at best um, imprecise and dangerous language. Right. If from a preacher, I don't. Still, he still used the NASB. Yeah. Because of how precise it is. Yeah. So I'm sure he didn't mean it as it could be taken that the gospel is this. John MacArthur does not believe the gospel is right. No mask and social distancing. So he shouldn't have said anything that made people think that. Right. Since there already is a lot of conflation between Americanism and Christianity. Uh, yeah. And then I heard him get on an interview, Fox news, somebody CNN. And when they ask him why he's doing it, he doesn't start with religious Liberty or maybe he starts with it. But one of his main points is First Amendment. Is it First Amendment the one with? Mm -hmm. Well, that's not religious liberty. That's Americanism. Baptists don't push religious liberty because the First Amendment says we can meet to worship. And so what I see is him using that argument as a main case, because it is a good case from a political point of view. The First Amendment gives us rights. But as a Bible believer, that's not religious freedom. And Baptists shouldn't be pushing First Amendment rights in the same sentence that they're pushing religious liberty. Otherwise, what are you going to do when they change that law? What are you going to fall back on? God didn't write the Constitution. He didn't write the First Amendment. 
And Baptists knew that because they never had a First Amendment for the first 200 years. And so they had to figure out why do what are we standing on? And the, what they stood on was you can't tell people how to worship God. You can't tell people what to believe. You can tell them they can't meet in a way that harms their neighbor. You can't build buildings that are going to fall on people. And if you can't say God told you to. Uh, so I think Baptists need to stop depending on the First Amendment to organize their churches. And they need to. Here's here's one statement that. London Confession, 1644. But if God withhold the magistrate's allowance and furtherance herein, which he's saying there that the government gives him space to meet because the, the pressure's taken off. Yet we must not withstand proceed together in Christian communion, not daring to give place to suspend our practice, but to walk in obedience to Christ in the profession and holding forth this faith. So he said, if the government lets us meet, we have to meet in a way that won't give them a reason to make us stop meeting. What John MacArthur's doing is he's making this an issue, not of religious freedom, but of public health, making it harder for other churches to meet peacefully and quietly with social distancing and with masks and meet outside. So just because you're a, the government's letting you do something, you, you do it in a way that's quiet and peaceful. And that's, I mean, that's what Paul said, just in every Christian's daily life, they should live a, a life above repute so that when they are brought up on charges, they'd be baseless. Right. Yeah. No one thinks that the uh, no mask and no social distancing is because people sincerely believe that the only way they can worship God is sit right next to each other without a mask on. No one believes that. So why are they standing on that issue? The only way we can worship God is we pack into our room together. In fact, I was talking to one preacher and, and he knows some people or maybe he did that really felt like it was against God's command to stop worshiping together. They and, and so what they did was they didn't stop, but no one heard about it because they did it quietly and peacefully. And I don't agree with that. But if their conscience told them that it was sinful to stop meeting. Then that, you know, follow your freedom of conscience, I suppose. But what they did was they did it in a quiet and peaceful way where they didn't announce it to the world and they didn't have a lawsuit and they didn't go on CNN and they didn't make a big show out of it because that that's not the point. They still wanted to worship together. Uh, so I think American Christians for the past 200 years have been becoming so entangled with the government and culture that we've forgotten what the early Baptists taught us when they were on the outside. They were the minority. They were the oppressed. That's when they developed religious liberty. Now, and just a caveat or a, a tangent, Baptists became the majority or became prominent after the Revolutionary War. They fought as they, they served as chaplains and they became welcomed with religious freedom, First Amendment, and prominent people in the 1800s. At the same time, the Black Baptist Church split, continued to be marginalized. So then you come to the 20th century. Who was fighting for liberty? It wasn't white Baptists. It was black Baptists. Martin Luther King Jr., John Lewis, C.T. Vivian. The, these were black Baptists who continued that tradition of freedom and led that charge. John MacArthur was down there. He wasn't marching with, with King. He was not supporting that cause. And it's because he wasn't trained to understand religious liberty. 
or liberty in general. And now you look at it today, it's the same thing. Baptists are fighting for the right to meet in groups. When has that ever been an issue? And so we need to go back to when the Baptists were actually oppressed and see what they said about religious freedom and not what George Washington said or Thomas Jefferson said or, or even some Presbyterian who stood up and told us that we should fight Britain. Those aren't our, that's not our tradition. Why are we leaning on those guys? Half of them weren't even Christians. We don't need to take deists. John Locke is not our lead here. Thomas Jefferson was, we've got Baptists to fall back on and we need to do that. And ultimately religious liberty is not about religious liberty. It's about serving Christ. And really it's about being able to worship, but also to evangelize. You can't spread the gospel if, if you can't exist. And if you have a country that oppresses you to the point, oppression doesn't always spread the gospel. Sometimes it destroys every single person in it. That's happened multiple times in the world. It happened in Iraq right now. Religious liberty lets Christians speak freely about the gospel and to spread the truth and to live it out. Christians have a terrible reputation in America because people think that they're more concerned about meeting together than taking care of their neighbor. And John MacArthur is a perfect example of that. He could have got up there and preached the same message and everybody had a mask on. And so the world looks at that and says, he doesn't care about people. All he cares about is getting his church together and doing whatever they want. That hinders the gospel. So, and, and Baptists knew that. And that's why they said we should, we should walk in a way that's obedient to Christ and tells the world that we're here with good news about Christ and that we love our neighbors. Two minute science PSA. Um, I'm not a scientist, but I am an enthusiast. Media is terrible at reporting <laughs> science information. I don't mm. care where you're getting your media from. Any major media outlet, it is not their expertise. It is also not in their interest to accurately report science. It is their interest to get you interested in it. Um, so when you see studies prove that's 100% false. Scientific <laughs> studies do not prove anything. Right. Scientific studies indicate things and they are confirmed by additional scientific studies so i think a lot of the issues with this novel virus novel because it's new mm -hmm. is that we are learning things as we go because i see a lot of people like well the first they said no mask now they're saying yes mask they're yeah. saying it helps just you they're saying it helps people around you so science i always like to think of it as the process of getting less wrong over time right scientific process yeah right so be, f figure out how to be more informed by going to the correct sources and not relying on major media outlets. Go to scientific outlets. Right, um, right. But also and everything's just, not a conspiracy. Right, everything's not a conspiracy, but also just be generally aware of how science works. Because if you think a study right. showing one thing means that that is truth, right? humans are involved in science, so therefore a study can be wrong, which is why yeah. they replicate studies. So whenever something yeah. new comes up, be prepared for the, for the information to change as we learn more about it. Which is a Baptist principle, because what's our final authority? <laughs> to, end our, to end our Baptist distinctives lesson where it started, our final authority is the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell us what the coronavirus is or how we should handle it. Therefore, we don't know. And we're not going to take a religious stand on anything that the Bible does not say. And science is not Bible.
So science can be wrong, can be right, it can change. So if the Bible doesn't teach it, we hold it loosely. And that's what Baptists need to do is take a 100% stand in the Bible and everything else, you know, we could be wrong. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, you can email us at podcast at historyandhope.com or message us on Twitter at History and Hope. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or any podcast app of your choice. 